Danville Auto Sales is located in Danville, Indiana and offers a selection of used vehicles. They're located at 1237 West Main Street in Danville and their phone number is 317-775-1977. More information can be found at their website, danville-autosales.com. This is Levi Riggs and you're listening to Allen on WYRZ. This is Sights and Sounds with Allen Kiger. Alan is a Hendricks County native who talks with your favorite entertainers. And now your host, Alan Kiger. Hey, this is Alan, and we're listening to WYRZ, and our guest today is Ted Nugent. Ted, how are you? Alan, happy October 2019. God bless America, and God bless the great outdoors, huh? Love the outdoors. It's still 90 degrees down here in Indiana. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I opened up the Michigan bow season, and I, I was sweating and mosquitoes, but I got a big, beautiful doe, so the Nugent family is celebrating sacred venison already. Yeah, do you spend most of your time in Michigan or most of it in Texas, or do you just split it up? You know, it's kind of a freeway tie between our home residents in Texas. We love Texas because I'm addicted to freedom. <laughs> but I spend every September, October, November on my old sacred family hunting grounds in southern Michigan and northern Michigan. Uh, this is where I was raised. I started bow hunting here back with my dad in 1949, so it's a family tradition we can't get away with. And the other third of the year, I'm on the road rock and roll and playing the freedom soundtrack for working hard playing hard Americans. So I got this American dream down pretty damn good, Alan. I agree. Uh, you are absolutely one of my favorites. I've uh, been listening to your music since uh, back in junior high, I think it was, or maybe even elementary school. And then to, good for you, man. Me too. To have you as, you know, our, our spokesman that gets to go out there and promote freedom and hunting and the Second Amendment, um, you do a lot for us, and we appreciate that. Well, you know, I, I, I not only rock and roll every night, but I, I wrapped up what is really gravity-defying, Alan. I wrapped up the greatest tour of my life in 2019 with Greg Smith on bass guitar and, and Jason Hartless on drums, just the ultimate rhythm section and the guitar player I could dream of. But I not only rock and roll every night, in fact, I did my 6,756th concert. I went back and counted all the sock hops and pool parties back in the 1950s and 60s, and that's 6,756. Six intense, ferocious rhythm and blues rock and roll concerts. But it's not just a concert and I go back to the hotel and order room service. I meet with the greatest Americans every night, Alan. You know, heroes of the military and their families, the, the law enforcement heroes of their families, first responders, just, you know, great ranchers and farmers and entrepreneurs and, and, and dry cleaner operators and hardware store operators and just, just the salt of the earth Americans. So I know that when I speak truth logic and common sense. It's not just an old guitar player's hunch. It really is a pulse that is inescapable if you continue to connect in a sincere way with the great American families that are in the asset column. You know, made in America, America first, all that radical stuff. <laughs> we love it. Well, I'll tell you, my first question will come to you. He was a good friend of mine uh, through junior high and high school. We stayed in touch and been friends. I won't give his last name. His name's Randy. And he's a colonel in the Marines. He's one of my heroes. And uh, he writes in, and his question to you is, uh, the bow and the arrow has existed since the beginning of mankind. The bow and the arrow has always been a critical weapon for both hunting and warfare. What society do you believe 
It was used to its greatest effect in both hunting and in warfare. Well, number one, Semper Fi, Randy, and the great heroes of the U.S. Marine Corps. The, a lot of people don't know this, but they call me Chesty Puller with a guitar. And only only the great Marines know what I'm talking about when I say Chesty Puller. But uh, let me tell you, before I answer Randy's question, that, you know, I, I don't know if you can tell on the telephone here, Alan, but I glow. I literally, I literally glow in the American Dream Asset Column of America, mostly because I was raised in a disciplinary fashion by my great parents, my mom and dad. My dad was a drill sergeant in the U.S. Army Cavalry. So that discipline really guided my quality of life and my, my battle cry to remain and fight for clean and sober, proper, accountable lifestyle. And, and but, but a great, a great, geez, gift, a great humbling honor that I have is that I've been embraced and I get to share campfires both literally and figuratively with heroes of the United States Marine Corps and the Navy, the Navy SEALs and the Air Force and the Army Rangers and the Coast Guard and, the, and just every arm of the United States military and law enforcement. I've been hanging out with these heroes, these warriors since the 1960s during the Vietnam mess and they have welcomed me into their families' lives and so when I answer Randy's question, it's with uh, great you know, humility that I, I literally exist in the shadow of the freedom that heroes of the U.S. military have provided for me. So I never, ever take any of this for granted. But uh, Randy's focus on the mystical flight of the arrow can best be articulated in the origins of the samurai. You don't shoot arrows. You don't draw the bow. You become the path of your arrow. You become one with the direction of your conscientious projectile. And again, both literally and figuratively, but I was raised just a you know little kid in Detroit hunting you know, river rats down on the Rouge River across the street from our home. And I learned early, I couldn't have told you back then, but I can certainly tell you now, and I have been for the last 50 years, that the mystical flight of the arrow literally brought mankind to this day. So Randy is absolutely correct. Now, I'm not a historian buff, but I know that um, the, the great wars, uh, certainly when the British Empire was, you know, forcing their tyranny around the globe, the, the English archers were renowned for their dedication to that mystical flight of the arrow, as well as the samurai of the Japanese Empire, um, neither of which of those empire are, are, should be applauded because they were, they were kings and emperors and tyrants and punks that were just, you know, forcibly dominating people, but when citizens determined from the self-evident truth that pulsated through their veins that we individual human beings have the right from God to keep and bear arms, and it was when slaves and subjects armed themselves with the mighty bow and arrow and dedicated themselves to the mystical flight of the arrow, it was then that they began to throw off the shackles of oppression, tyranny, and slavery. And so the, the, the bow and arrow has played a great role in the history of man. And I believe that as we sit here in 2019, and I'm celebrating Make America Great, Keep America Great, America First, that I celebrate my American nationalism, that uh, the weapons of war, beginning with spears and rocks and 
ultimately the bow and arrow allowed free men to overcome the oppression of uh, you know tyrant military. So I, I know that that's what the Marine Corps know in their heart, that if you're unarmed and helpless, you are unarmed and helpless. That's why the National Rifle Association is critical for freedom and an independent we the people experiment in self-government. So thank you, Randy, for your dedication to the U.S. Marine Corps, the mighty warriors, and I promise and I vow that I will fight for those constitutional freedoms that your buddies came home in a flag-draped coffin for. I guarantee I will never stop. Thanks, Jeff. You'll love that. Um, I have a question for you. I know you have a, uh, it's called, I believe, the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids. What can you Correct, tell me, yes. What can you tell me about your charity? Well, you know, it goes back to Randy's question about the role of the mystical flight of the arrow, archery, in my life. I was born in Detroit in 1948 when it was the arsenal of democracy. I mean, how cool is that? I like to think that wherever I go, Alan, I turn that region into the arts arsenal of democracy because I've never been in a gun-free zone because no man can tell me I will be unarmed and helpless. That being said, <laughs> uh, the discipline my parents taught me about archery Woodsmanship, my hunting responsibilities, my stewardship responsibilities, and certainly with the Red Rider Daisy Deep gun and the first uh, Remington Model 41 Target Master single shot bolt action 22, shooting woodchucks in Pennsylvania, aim small, miss small, safety, conscientiousness, responsibility, accountability. Um, that really resonated throughout my life, even today at 71 years of age. And I met a man during those archery expeditions, those bow hunting expeditions with my family, a man named Fred Bear, a great hero and a great visionary conservationist that already identified the atrocity of the culture war against hunting, against the right to keep and bear arms, against conservation by the liberal goofballs after their, you know, their LSD parties um, where they lost their minds and lost their souls and then they attacked hunters who were the ultimate conservationists who balanced the herd every year. And so when Fred Bear embraced me back in the 1950s and welcomed me into his life, um, he continued to tell me in the 1960s and 70s during the, the stupidity of the drug era, the stupidity of the suicidal substance abuse party, and that's not a party by the way, um, I have a party around a campfire with good people, uh, with, with bows and arrows and, and, and maybe a glass of wine and, and just celebrating private property rights, etc. And I, I do digress because it is a big picture that when Fred Bear died, just before he died at our last hunting camp together, he told me to continue to promote conservation and bow hunting and archery and freedom with the rock and roll edge and uppityness that I have perfected over the years. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but I, I, I have a spirit, I have an attitude, and I have an energy, and the hunting industry didn't. And so I would recruit a lot of new conservationists and archers and, you know, gun owners into this great outdoors lifestyle. So upon Fred's passing in April of 1988, that following spring, I started the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids Charity, a 501c3 nonprofit, all-volunteer charity to teach kids what drove my quality of life, archery, the outdoor lifestyle, healing powers of nature, putting more back into the world than you take out, earning your own way, living within your means, you know, 
being a conscientious steward of the wildlife habitat and resources to guarantee quality air, soil, and water. That's real environmentalism. So we teach kids the archery discipline, safe firearms handling and marksmanship, aim small, miss small, excitement, um, how to put more back into nature than you take, but most importantly, to always be clean and sober and teach your friends and put positive peer pressure on your friends to be clean and sober and be an asset to their family. I mean, as I say these words, I'm, I think to myself, well, who the hell would be against this? <laughs> and if you read the Huffington Post or the New York Times or listen to CNN, they hate all that perfect stuff. They hate teaching children about hunting, fishing, and trapping. They hate the Second Amendment. They hate me. And I couldn't be more proud. So the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids has literally changed tens of thousands of kids' lives to defy the nonsense of peer pressure and be a positive force in their lives in the asset column for God, family, and country. Literally perfect. If people would go to my Facebook or to my website, tednugent.com, they'll find out how they can help with this camp and, this, and teach kids the true north compass setting that literally will save America. Before Donald Trump said make America great again, the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids was making America great again every year by teaching kids to be great citizens. That is absolutely incredible. And with, with your mention of Fred Bear, let's just go ahead and uh, listen to your song, Fred Bear. Great, great song about a great, great man. In the wind. We're back from listening to... Uh, Fred Bear with uh, Ted Nugent here. Um, Ted, tell tell me a little bit about. I mean, what what drives you to want to be this uh, voice for the conservative person? You know, you're. Were you always a conservative? Did you grow up that way? Um, you said your dad was a drill sergeant for the army. Um, was it just the hunting? What what part of this made you? I mean, you are a voice that is so loud for so many people that is just so great. Well, you know, I didn't know the terms conservative or liberal as I was growing up. You know, in high school, I was already so addicted to rock and roll and and rehearsing with my band and taking off as much time as I could in the fall to go bow hunting with my family that I wasn't really learning about some of these social compartmentalizations, you know what I mean? I just knew that my dad taught me to be accountable, to be the best that I can be. And if I'm going to cut the lawn, which he insisted on, shovel snow and rake leaves and paint the fence and take out the trash and clean up after my dogs and help build the garage and help sweep out the garage and help clean the house and do the dishes and do the laundry, I mean, hello, he taught me this basic self-sufficiency, how to be an asset to your family, and quite honestly, I think that defines conservatism. It's about pragmatism, it's about utilitarian accountability and, and picking up after yourself, not just in the world of trash, not just in the world of, you know, expendable goods, but uh, in, in an accountable way to once again make your room clean, make your home clean, make your property clean, make the wild clean, to kill that deer cleanly so you can feed your family the ultimate nutrition from God's renewable pantry. So all these lessons, I couldn't have told you that was conservatism back then, but it truly is. And I think if you really identify the Webster's uh, uh, definition of liberal, I'm more liberal than Nancy Pelosi. I mean, if Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to own a gun, I would never force her to own one. But she can. 
cannot force me to not own a gun. And if she doesn't want to go hunting, I would never force her to go hunting. But she wants to end our freedoms. The liberals and the Democrats and the media and academia and, and, and so much of our government, all the Democrats, because if you're a Democrat, you are against securing the borders of America. And if you're against securing the borders of America, you are in line and on the side of the enemies of America. Absolutely. I mean, uh, who doesn't know this stuff? And if you want to have an abortion, we will pray for you. But here's an idea. Pay for it yourself, and after the first trimester, it's not your body anymore. It's the baby's body. I mean, uh, Alan, can you believe I even have to say these things? These things are as, as real and, and logical and truthful and common sense as one plus one equals two. And if you want to force American citizens with a mandatory buyback of a gun you never owned in the first place, Beto Punk Ass O'Rourke, you are forcing citizens into unarmed helplessness. And when you are unarmed and helpless, you're unarmed and helpless, which is the liberal Democrats' dream of a gun-free zone where the most innocent lives are always slaughtered, and the Democrats want more of them, Alan. They know that gun-free zones are where the most innocent lives are slaughtered, and they want more of them. You, you can't make this stuff up. So I saw this stuff happening, certainly between the hippies and the, and the, and the cops in Chicago back during the Democrat convention in uh, 1968. And because the police in Chicago were so corrupt and the hippies were so stupid, I didn't know who to root for. Um, but I finally learned what they were fighting against. And the hippies, if you really, you know, dug through the nonsense and the, and the communism and the socialism that has destroyed every society, you know, they, they claim power to the people, but they weren't up for power for the people. And I am the biggest supporter of law enforcement in the world. The cops are the heroes of the not-so-mean streets of America. But when you get corruption in that position of power, you've got to fix it. You've got to prosecute corrupt employees of we the people. So I started speaking out because I saw stupidity. I saw insanity. I saw, I saw the abandonment of justice, the abandonment of truth, logic, and common sense. So I started getting pissed off and started speaking up. And I realized that as a husband, a father, a grandfather, a brother, uh, a neighbor, a free man, that I have an absolute moral, intellectual, and I believe spiritual obligation to, to participate in this sacred, hard-earned experiment in self-government. And more time I spend with guys like Randy and the Marines and the Air Force and the Navy and the Coast Guard uh, in, in the U.S. Army, the more time I spend with the warriors of law enforcement, the first responders, I realize that freedom is not free. And every American citizen has an absolute duty to speak up and demand constitutional accountability from our elected employees. I mean, 
Go to a music question here. At what age did you realize that playing music, playing the guitar, was what you wanted to do for a living? Well, I think somehow in between uh, listening to uh, that mushy music of the 50s on my dad's radio, <laughs> driving north uh, to go bow hunting, uh, somehow he bumped into a radio station that I heard a little hint of Little Richard. <laughs> somehow there was a momentary blast from the, the old Ford station wagon radio of Little Richard, Bo Diddley, and Chuck Berry. And as a young, you know, uninhibited, freeform being, I immediately picked up on the energy, the defiance, the authority, the rambunctious intensity of those founding fathers of the greatest music in the history of noise. And so once I heard that music and I heard that pounding piano and that grinding, screaming guitar tone of Les Paul's new invention, I, I, I couldn't, nobody knew it. There was no such thing as a rock star. I'd never heard of a concert. I never heard of making records, but boy, did I want to pursue that sound. And so by the time I was six or seven, I started beating on an old guitar and, you know, emulating Elvis on the Ed Sullivan show and uh, listening to the Ventures and Lonnie Mack and Dwayne Eddy. And my dad saw my enthusiasm, so he said, you need to get a job. You need to deliver newspapers and shovel snow and rake leaves and cut lawns and wash cars and wash windows. And I, I had to earn my own guitar and amplifier, which made me value it and appreciate it more. And he said, if you're going to play the guitar, you're going to take lessons, and you're going to practice 30 minutes every day of your life. Now, as a young kid at, at 9, 10, and 11, I didn't want to practice for 30 minutes every day because when you're first starting out on the guitar, you sound like crap. You really, you don't sound anything like Dwayne Eddy. But he, he forced me. God, God bless my dad, huh, Alan? Yeah, he forced me to practice my bow and arrow and my guitar and to handle those firearms safely and to shoot those sparrows out of the garage rafters with my Red Rider Daisy BB gun. And, and he made me practice, and eventually I started making noises that actually sounded a little bit like music. <laughs> and I stuck with it, but I knew right away I never wanted to be a rock star. I never wanted to be a celebrity. I just wanted to reinterpret and, and put through my spirit system that glorious pounding grind of Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis, what Elvis did with it and his incredible guitar players and all this excited sound. So I was deep into it before there was ever the Beatles or the Stones or the Yardbirds. I was already in a band. We won the Battle of the Bands in Michigan in 1963 playing uh, uh, Shake a Tail Feather and High Heel Sneakers. 
and uh, I was off and running by then, and I, I love it. I love it more now, Alan, than ever. The Music Made Me Do It is the name of my new record, and The Music Made Me Do It was the name of the greatest tour in 2019 of my life, and uh, I played my guitar this morning, and I came up with some licks that I can't wait to get in the studio and capture this stuff, because in between Huns and in between doing my We The People civic duties every day, that guitar, just like my walk in the swamp with my bow and arrow and my dogs, that is a soul-cleansing escape from the chaos of the modern world, and I think everybody needs that stuff. So anybody listening to me right now, get yourself a bow and arrow. Go buy a cheap guitar and just keep playing until you make some noise that you like. It's about discipline, uh, risk-taking, uh, adventure, and that road less traveled. So it's available to everybody. I just figured it out when I was a little boy, and that kept me clean and sober because I wanted to play as best as I could, and I wanted to shoot my bow and arrow as best as I could. Well, let's go ahead and uh, let's get to one of your big hits here, uh, one that got a lot of radio play. Let's listen to Catch Crouch Fever. I love Catch Crouch Fever. That's one sexy song. Yes, it is. <laughs> We've got Ted Nugent on here if you're just tuning in. Uh, Ted, we're just about done to the end of this, and uh, you've told us some, some great things about yourself. And you just talked about coming off one of the best tours of your life uh, with the, the Music Made Me Do It, your newest record. When you're, uh, let's just end here with a couple of questions. When you're up in a tree stand and kind of just out there in nature, I've been out there, and taking it all in, some days you know you get stuff, some days you don't. Do you, have you written a song while you've been out there, you know, thinking in the, the great outdoors or, you know, I'm up here hunting and I haven't seen a buck or a doe yet. Is there a music that's come to you while you're sitting up there? Well, the outdoors is a, a powerful healing force in my life, uh, as it should be and is for so many people. And it's quite the escape from the modern world of electronic hell and uh, rush hour traffic and uh, the ugliness of the culture war, you know, politics. Um, but we need to engage in the culture war battle every day, I believe, as Americans. But we also need to cleanse our soul, and that's what the outdoors represents to me. So when I'm in my tree stand, I, 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 I occasionally get a pulsation of some killer lick that I've been jamming on lately, but for the for 99% of the time in the tree stand, the best explanation I can give you is Samurai. You know, the, uh, there was a movie called The Last Samurai, where the samurai warrior told Tom Cruise that he was not handling the sword properly um, because he had too many minds. You, you can overthink things and second-guess yourself and second-guess the world around you. But a real samurai that I sense every day in my tree stand or just walking stealthily, slowly, almost not moving at all in the woods and the swamps, it literally, it, it consumes you. You are, at the same time, both completely disconnected from the world, but intimately connected with your surroundings, the pulses, the sounds, the smells, the barometer changes, the wind, the sensations that are spiritual in the great outdoors. And it is that spiritual time that so cleans me out. 
I mean, it, when I come out of the woods, I am renewed every time. In the early season, I sweat, and I, I, I force myself to go slow and to not move at all. So the big answer, Alan, is that no, uh, musical uh, sensations do not occur very often, if ever, in the woods. But it is such a cleansing experience, such a spiritually renewing experience, that as I come back to my barn here in Michigan Swamps and by my shop in Texas, as I come back to my homestead with my bow and arrow and muck up to my kneecaps, I put the bow and arrow down and I have a big wall of amplifiers that I'm always experimenting. I got some beautiful Gibson Birdland guitars and Les Pauls and Paul Reed Smith, you know, phenomenal instruments. And the dogs and I get in here, we dry off, I might take off some soggy clothes and I'll plug that guitar in and it's, it's, it's like the first time as a little boy I had my first amplifier in the garage where the concrete floor really caused a lot of resonance and ricochet. It, it really is very inspiring, the responsiveness to a guitar on a concrete floor. And every, I swear, Alan, every time I come in from a hunt, I'm born again. I'm, I'm renewed. You know, it's called recreation, outdoor recreation. Well, even though it's a sport, recreation, but it is my lifestyle. It's my, it's my samurai life pulse. But it does recreate. Recreation is about recreating your energies and your sensibilities. And when I grab that guitar, I'm like a horny 12-year-old with this first loud amplifier every time. So it really is an uninhibitedness that I'm not so sure is available anywhere else in the world than leaving the concrete jungle modern world in all its various forms and escaping back to the primordial goo that spawned life itself. And I get that sensation. I might only be a half mile from a paved road. I might only be a few hundred yards from my barn on occasion, but I'm in the goo. I'm in the primal scream of God's creation. And if people listening to me right now want to sense this aliveness, this, this energy, this cleansing, this this perfection, get a bow and arrow, learn to aim small, miss small, hand-eye spirit coordination, leave the pavement, even if it's just a state park or your buddy's yard or, or the woods nearby or your uncle's farm, and get out there, stop, breathe, stretch, look around, and escape the modern world. Then when you return to the modern world, if you're a nine-to-fiver, if you're a hardware store operator, if you're a mechanic or a plumber or a construction guy or a welder, those are all my heroes, by the way, you will be better at anything you pursue in life based on the maximum time you spend in the great outdoors conscientiously absorbing the pulses of God's miracle creation. That's the best way I can put it, and I don't think it's ambiguous. Yeah. Well, Ted, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us here on WYRZ. Uh, thanks for making us a part of your day. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you on the road and uh, hearing those new guitar licks on the next album that comes out. Well, thank you very much, Alan. God bless American real music lovers. Thanks for the greatest tour of my life. And by the way, come to my Facebook if you want to see the attitude, 
vinegar and spirit and uppity. If you want to see the funniest people in the world, the most dedicated, sincere, educated, smart, crafty, clever, happy people in the world, come to Ted my my website, my website, mostly my Facebook. I don't know what the address is, but you can find my Facebook, and I'm on there every day. And the dialogue and the electronic campfire that we share about important issues and fun issues and just crazy issues. It, I don't think there's a, a Facebook on planet Earth that's better than mine. And so thank you, everybody who goes to the Ted Nugent Facebook. Your energy is contagious, and you bring me great smiles. I love going to your Facebook page. I'll say that before I get off here. And a couple times you've even made comments back to me, and it just made me feel great. Just, just well, love it's intense, isn't it? Yes, it is. Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, thanks for being our guest today, Ted. And uh, you have a great day, and God bless you. God bless America, God bless freedom, God bless the National Rifle Association of America, the military, the law enforcement, the first responders, and great, great American families who dedicate themselves in the asset column. I hope to see everybody on my Facebook, and we'll celebrate truth, logic, and common sense like we mean it, and we will elect President Donald Trump in 2020 to save America. You've been listening to Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger. Join us the first Saturday of every month at 4 p.m. on 98.9 FM and WYRZ.org. Danville Auto Sales is located in Danville, Indiana and offers a selection of used vehicles. They're located at 1237 West Main Street in Danville and their phone number is 317-775-1977. More information can be found at their website, danville-autosales.com.